All right, we are coming to you from the Spurman Illini Holiday Party at Mullins in Lyle. And stay with us here. This is an all-Illini episode of The Fadeaway with Dion Thomas and Eric Schmidt. Dion, how much orange can be crammed into one room these days? Oh, man, we had about 200 tonight. I think we could cram a heck of a lot more, though. <laughs> and how cool is it to get a chance to sit down with so many of these former athletes, so many former Illini, get to mingle with all the people here, find out more about their favorite Illini memories, what they're up to today, what they hope to see out of the university in the future. I mean, how, how exciting is that for somebody like you who's kind of lived it? Well, I, I love it. I mean, because what it becomes is it's not just an alumni gathering. It's a it's like a family reunion. So to really be able to hear and have everyone back and be able to get together, tell their stories about when they were in school, but at the same time to be able to share the same love that we share for the university is absolutely amazing. All right. Well, before we jump in, thanks to Painless Networking, the Painless Podcast Network, and Chris Hartwig. If you're someone who's in the sports world or you want to work in it, get connected with Painless Networking on social media or at www.painless.network. The most recent Painless eblast had more than 25 job leads, a networking event on Valentine's Day at Assemble Shared Office in Chicago, and an NCAA Attorney St. Patty's Day celebration. You might be interested in something like that, Dion, at Joe's on Weed Street, and awesome podcasts, which which is a prerequisite to be on the Painless Podcast Network, of yes, course. Sir. Of course. And if you're a rudder, and we should talk to Josh Mittman about this, and you want to do the Shamrock Shuffle, Painless has a $10 off code when you register, but you need to check their Facebook page out for that info. So without further ado, let's get into some Illini interviews. Hey, here we are, Deion Thomas and Eric Schmidt. We're live with the fadeaway with athletic director, Mr. Josh Whitman. Josh, thank you for joining us. Guys, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, you know, we had to come here and get the best first. You know, we'll, we'll grab <laughs> Brian Randall and all those other peons afterwards. Oh, no, no. Come on now. <laughs> come on now. You're just getting, I'm just the appetizer for the good stuff later. There you go. Hey, we got our first win yesterday. Got to feel good about that. We do. It was uh, obviously a long time coming. Just been so happy for those guys, the coaches, the players. I know how hard they work every single day. And then to see them come so close here over the last several games and then not to be able to get it done uh, was, was really disheartening. So I was happy for them more than anything else just to see all their hard work uh, pay off and, and get the big win against them. Yeah, you mentioned the hard work. I was talking to Coach Chin before the game, and he was like, Dion, he was like, one of the things we want most, he was like, it's not for us, it's not for the coaching staff. He was like, we want these kids to see that the hard work pays off and that if you continue to do it, you'll get the, you'll gain the fruit. So, that, man, I thought that was a great lesson, you know, and one of those things that we always try to put out there as coaches and as fathers. So it was definitely good last night. I was, I was sweating a little bit. You know, we had that eight-point lead and had that thing window down at the end, but another good defensive effort at the end, and we were able to pull out the win. I, I think that's exactly right. I think there's just so much about winning that is, that is learned and, and for this group, they have to continue to hone their their kind of killer instinct as, as winners, as competitors. And, uh, and we've done so much other than win the game here over the last two months. And, uh, and so for them to finally cross that finish line and uh, come out of the game victorious, I think it just it provides some validation to them the great hard work they've been putting in uh, since uh, since Coach Underwood and the staff came on board and uh, really provides them some uh, reinforcement that, that what they're doing works and, and that, that the future for them is 
back very bright. Very bright. Well, you know, what you've done so far since you've been here, I mean, I, I love both hires. I love the direction of both programs. When you took the job, was Lovey that main priority? Well, I'm sure he was. But. <laughs> football was a big priority. When I, when I took the job, I recognized that football was something that we needed to address quickly, that that, that was our biggest uh, challenge, and at the same time, it was also our biggest opportunity. And so uh, we knew that in order for the athletic program to take the step forward that we needed, football had to lead the way. And uh, as we started surveying the landscape, looking at who was available, the timing was a little odd. Um, because of when I was hired and when I started, um, we uh, we were fortunate that, that Lovey came available. And obviously, uh, from the Buccaneers, a little bit later than, than uh, the, the typical college hiring cycle. And um, once I had a chance to sit with him and, and visit with him, I recognized what a quality person, quality football coach he was. And uh, we just feel incredibly fortunate that uh, we were able to recruit him to Champaign and that he's now leading the team. Yeah, I'm. I, I told him when we first met how big of a fan I was from his time here in Chicago all the way to his time down in Tampa. I still followed him because he is a builder of young men. And that was one of the things that always impressed him about me because I believe that's the one of the first roles of, of a coach. And that's one of the things he does extremely well. I, I couldn't agree more. He's, he's an incredible leader. He's a teacher. He enjoys working with perhaps a younger person than he'd been with in the NFL, somebody who's had an incredibly formative period in their life. Uh, he, I think he thrives in that environment and enjoys uh, that opportunity. And, uh, he's, he's been everything we hoped he would be and, and much, much more. He's uh, obviously uh, not the most uh, loud-spoken person you'll ever come across, but he, but he has a great presence about him, uh, very confident, very comfortable in his own skin, and uh, able to provide this tremendous leadership. To, to our players and to our staff. Yeah, and I think we're really starting to move in that in a, in a great direction. Four, two four-star recruits. Very happy with them. And I was probably the most happy. I called everybody. I'm like, oh my God, we got two four-star recruits and a highly, highly touted quarterback out of Texas. We're excited about the, the way the recruiting class has come together. Obviously, uh, that's an important part of this rebuild process for us is continuing to bring great players to Champaign. And, uh, one of the challenges for us will be we have to do a better job than our competitors of identifying talent uh, and, and bringing them here and developing them into great players because we're at this point in our juncture we're going to have a hard time going head to head with some of the perennial powers and getting a, a five star player to come to Champaign but if we can get a few four stars get some quality three stars people who believe in what we're trying to do who want to be a part uh, of building this program then we've got a chance and, and that's how we've done it in the past when we've had these rebuilds uh, it's been very successful for us and we have great confidence that the staff is doing a great job of identifying those talents and, and selling them on the vision of what Illinois football can look like with their with their contributions so we brought in a big name with lovey smith a big name with brad underwood we had the pleasure of interviewing coach nancy Faye. now a lot of people don't know who she is but when we went back we did our homework her track record is just as impressive as anyone else's I agree wholeheartedly. She's 
is a, a remarkable person. She's an incredible coach. Uh, because she did it at a Division three school, a lot of times people uh, haven't heard her name or aren't familiar with all the, the things that she's accomplished. But it, it's incredible that the things that she's done in 31 years at WashU have gone to 10 Final Fours, to have won five national championships, to have won near, almost 90 consecutive games at one point in time. Uh, she was the second fastest person in the history of basketball to win 700 games uh, and second only to Gina Oriema out of UConn and so uh, she she can coach unlike anybody I've, I've ever seen and obviously the, the move from Division 3 to Division 1 comes with some transition some growth um, but she's an incredibly competitive person she's driven uh, and, and I've just got great confidence that uh, she'll do everything she can to travel that learning curve as, as quickly as possible and, uh, I think you're already starting to see it in the way that the team is playing. Josh, you come when you any anytime anybody starts interviewing for a job or accepts a job, they start thinking about what they're going to do. What's that blueprint going to look like? You hit the ground running with Lovey right away. How has the time gone as far as how you anticipated things when you kind of took the job and to how we've gotten here today? I think that things have progressed about as I expected they would. We knew uh, that we had uh, some, some challenges in front of us. We knew that we'd come through a, a, a difficult chapter for the athletic program. And so uh, it all starts with people, and we worked very hard to uh, not necessarily uh, clean house. I think that's a mistake when somebody comes into a job like mine and just makes uh, lots and lots of changes for no real good reason. So we've tried to be very thoughtful and the moves that we've made uh, and, and create a nice mix of people who have been here for a long time and, and have great appreciation for the university with some new faces who we think bring a unique perspective and, and in some cases a renewed energy to what we're trying to accomplish. And, uh, and that ultimately will be our key. It's, it's, it's a people business. Uh, feel really confident in, in the people we have involved. We have a staff of over 300 people now working in the athletic program, uh, 16 head coaches, and uh, the, the mix of old and new, the mix of uh, experienced and, and, and less so, uh, I, th I think has really been a, a, a great uh, formula for us so far. And so we're excited to continue down the track and, and continue to execute our, our plan. What's well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what's a typical day been like for you so far? Or, or have there been any? <laughs> what's an atypical day? <laughs> Every day is different, which sure. is one of the things that I really enjoy uh, about the position. Uh, a lot of meetings, a lot of travel. Um, on, a, on a typical day when they when they are allowed to happen, I, I try and get in the office around 7. And, uh, meetings usually start somewhere 8.30 or 9 and kind of run through the day with, with some, some small breaks. Um, and then in the evenings, a lot of times we'll have athletic events or we'll have uh, get-togethers like this one, different, different activities. Um, so it's a, it can be a very consuming job. I'm lucky I've got a great family, a very supportive wife um, who understands what we're trying to do and is happy to be a part of it. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's an intense experience, one that I, I really enjoy. Uh, but I'm grateful for the, the trust and support of so many Illini fans who have been giving me the opportunity to provide some leadership and, and hopefully build this thing to a place that can make all of us proud. All right. Well, we know you're here to work, so we're not going to hold you too long. I have one more question. It's about your pregame run. 
how did that get started and has it grown since you've been started at the beginning? The, the pregame run, I, I've only done it during football so far. I haven't done it during basketball. I've thought about breaking out a couple special edition basketball runs if we get a couple days. It's like a little we cold. Yeah, a little cold. That's okay. Um, Indoor, empty. But I just thought, you know, that we've got so many Arc. great fans for our, for our teams and uh, and I'm going to be running on Saturday mornings before games anyway. And uh, I thought, what a great way to connect with people, um, do it in a, in a productive way. I, I knew there would be some other runners out there somewhere. And, right. um, you know, it's incredible anymore with social media and the kind of traction those kinds of things can get. And so we have seen it grow. This year uh, was, was, I would say, markedly more uh, better attended than, than a year ago. Um, and, and we run through some tough stuff. We run through... <laughs> Uh, rain, it gets cold, it's dark, uh, but we, we go out there every week and, and put in our four and a half miles, and uh, it's become a nice tradition. I think people enjoy it. We've had some, a lot of repeat customers, people who come back almost every week, and so you start to develop some relationships with folks, and, and well, every once in a while we'll try and do something cool, we'll, uh, you know, we'll run through the stadium uh, down onto the field, or, or we'll, um, you know, we'll, I remember last year one time, uh, Lovey was on his way to the team meeting and kind of intercepted us and we had a chance to talk with him for a bit. So some fun stuff happens while we're out on the trail and, and uh, you never know exactly uh, how it'll go, but it's uh, it's been a great tradition and look forward to continuing that. Where, where and what time? I'm going to put well, it on Dion's calendar. Generally we go at 7 a.m. Uh, before the football games. Occasionally we've had to move it up a half hour. We've never gone later than 7. Um, and we leave from uh, uh, from Hessel Park in Champaign. And it's been uh, been simple and, and pretty straightforward. We bring water and donuts, and when we get done, we pop open the back of my car, and everybody grabs a donut, and a bottle of water, and uh, we visit for a couple minutes, and we get on with our days. So it's uh, it's been it's been really nice. That's great. Well, Josh, thank you for giving us a few minutes on the fadeaway. Greatly appreciate it. Great to see you up here in the West Suburbs. Don't be a stranger. Appreciate all you guys do. Thanks for having me on. All Thanks right, so much. Appreciate Thanks, it. Josh. joined now by Erica Harold, another former Lina. I don't know what title to give you though today. What what should we call you, Erica? What's the title you, you, you would use for graphics here? Some people would say Miss America 2003. Others would say candidate for Attorney General. But I am most proud to be a 2001 alum of the University of Illinois. That is 2001. Awesome. You may now. I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Those titles make you. All of those are who you are. But those experiences, and I was another title as a townie. I was actually born and raised in Champaign-Urbana and still live there now and practice law, and so you are very much the product of your environment and being able to have grown up in Champaign-Urbana and been surrounded by that kind of a community and the U of I spirit absolutely has made me who I am today. Well, I was going to ask, what was that like to grow up in town and then go to the university? I can't imagine being a high school student in a town like that and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, did you always aspire to make that leap there or I always knew I wanted to go to the U of I and U of I was actually the only college that I applied to for undergrad because wow. I think when you grow up in a community like that, either you decide you definitely want to go somewhere else or you feel that there's nowhere else that you could possibly go. And so I feel almost spoiled because I remember being eight or nine years old and seeing the 89 Flying Illini and I still have the autographs and when you 
grow up and you get to see those people walking through your community, you almost take that for granted in a way. Well, I'll tell you this. You are what I want my daughter to be. Oh, thank you very much. You know, you're a legacy, and she's applied. We have our fingers crossed. We're waiting on that letter. They better let her in. That's what I said. Yes. So we're we're, we're waiting on that. She has grown up and has loved it. For me, you you mentioned growing up and being in that, um, in that, you say you're a townie, but being in that Champaign-Urbana area, what it did for me was the exact same thing. When I took my visit there the first time, coming from this big city, Chicago, having not seen or dealt with really a white person ever in my life, when I hit that campus on my official visit, I knew that's where I wanted to be because it felt like home. Absolutely, and it's it's a special feeling, and so it's always great to see people come back and have events where people can reconnect with the nostalgia that you felt because for so many of us, it marks one of the highlights of our lives. How did you wind up on the career path that you are today? that I wanted to be an attorney probably when I was in high school. I'd had some experiences being the victim of bullying and that feeling of feeling sort of powerless and marginalized made me want to not only acquire the skills to stand up for myself, but to be able to stand up for other people. And when you're an attorney, your job is to advocate for people. And so one of the reasons why I decided to run for the Office of Attorney General is there are people within our state that need someone to advocate for them, and that would be one of the greatest honors. Wow. So, growing up in Champaign, yes. going to the University of Illinois, having a dad as well known as your dad, what did he instill in you that gave you, like you said, the the the, the why to stand up for others uh, that way you that way you want to do. My dad's an incredible person. Have to give a shout out to Bob Harold. He was a pitcher for the U of I baseball team and also played EI baseball for Gifford Flatville. The, the Giflats. The Giflats. <laughs> the least creative baseball name the ever. The Gifford Flatville Giflats. Sorry to, to interrupt. Say, I'm an alum as well. I'm not in the. I'm not no longer in the program. I don't. I don't think I lettered for them. Anyway. And I have to say, we when I was growing up, we spent a lot of Sundays going out to the baseball field. And I remember if you got a foul ball, you could get a quarter. So we would try to get four quarters to get nachos. So that was one thing that we took from the experience. But my dad always taught us to always treat people with dignity. So never to be too impressed by people's titles and never to think that you were better with anyone because of your background or theirs. And if you could just treat people with respect regardless, then you would always see the best in them and learn something from them. And he's he's somebody who volunteers within the community, mentors, and tries to make a difference. And that's probably the thing that I've taken most from him. Erica, you mentioned something about, you know, you want to be able to help others less fortunate. Um, talk a little bit about how you would want to do that in a role if you were to be able, if you were to be able to move on and be elected. One of the biggest issues that I would like to focus on as Attorney General is public corruption, and that affects both parties. And I think we, the voters, lose out when political interests dominate over just the public's interests. And so I want a fair playing field for everyone. I also want to take on some issues like the opioid epidemic that is ravaging our community. I'd also like to focus on issues of criminal justice 
justice reform. For the past decade, I've been involved in prison ministry and going into prisons throughout the country, and I've seen some things that need to be changed within our system to make to give people an opportunity and a second chance within our state if they've served their time, give them the tools to actually be able to rebuild their lives and contribute to their families and communities. And there are lots of things to do for small businesses to give people an opportunity to be able to make more money for themselves and their families, but ultimately have the rule of law enforced and have people have a fair playing field. Because I think regardless of your political party, people just want to be treated fairly. And I, I agree with you 100%. I, I'm one of those kids that grew up in a not-so-nice area. I've had family members that have been, um, I don't want to say dealt a raw hand because some of them did things they weren't supposed to do and some of them did things that were minor, mm -hmm. but they got slapped really hard um, right. because of the, the, the bias in, in a lot of the system. So I, I guess we, we touched on some of the things that you would like to change. If you had to look at the future, yes. what would that future look like to you? For myself, I would love to be the Attorney General. I would love to have brought our recidivism rates down. I would like for more jobs to be in the state of Illinois because that's really how we get our state turned around. And I would like for people to be able to look at leaders in government and not make jokes about our state. I mean, people make jokes about Illinois politicians. I would want people to feel proud of the people that were representing them. Even if they hadn't voted for them, I would want them to feel like that person is working hard and trying to represent me to the best possible. I also would like our schools and universities to be well-funded and scholarship opportunities to be available for students. I know I'm someone who's been the beneficiary of scholarship assistance, and being able to be a young person who can achieve your educational goals without a lot of debt is huge. I entered the Miss America pageant because I'd been accepted to Harvard Law School and didn't have the money to pay for it. Ended up winning the pageant and was able then to graduate from Harvard Law School debt-free. I know that not everyone going to have that path, but there need to be more paths for young people who have talent and have potential and just need an opportunity. Peter, you talk about winning the Miss America pageant like you just won a raffle or something. You talk about it so <laughs> nonchalantly. It's so, and that's incredibly hard, and that's an incredible uh, accomplishment. And it, you, like you said, it puts you through Harvard Law, yes. and you wanted to be an attorney, but then now you're on this political path. At what point did you decide there's a shift here, and this is where I want to go? America, I had the opportunity to travel the country. I traveled probably 20,000 miles every month, and I had the opportunity to be a leader, a national leader, at the age of 22. And so my platform dealt with preventing youth violence and bullying, and I advocated for programs to protect students, and I found that people were willing to listen to me. And sometimes we almost hold ourselves back by thinking, I don't have enough experience, I don't have enough age, I don't have enough this, but I found that people were willing to listen to me at the age of 22 because I had this platform and I was talking about things that would make a difference for everyone. And once I had that incredible platform, I thought, when I get to a certain point in my life, I want to be involved in public service because I feel fortunate to have had the opportunities that I've had, and ultimately our life is measured by the impact that we make on the community around us. How much 
actually that platform and, and that very public platform play into your comfort level with getting into something that actually has a lot of scrutiny, especially our state. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you have to be a glutton for punishment to want to go ahead and go through that is an election, right. I'm sure. But how much did that uh, experience earlier in your life play into your comfort level with this? It's a great question, and it, it played a very big role because I remember the first couple of days that I was Miss America, I felt almost overwhelmed by the sense of responsibility because people expect perfection, and I knew all the ways that I wasn't perfect. And so I almost felt like I wasn't going to live up to people's expectations. But then I thought, the best that I can do is to go out each and every day and be authentic. Because people can tell if you're putting up a facade or if you're being authentic. And I thought, I won't be able to live up to anyone's expect everyone's expectations, but I will be able to let them see who I am and why I care. And I try to bring that same level of approach to running for office. There will I will not be able to get 100% of the votes. And whenever you take a stand for something that matters, there will be a lot of people who disagree with you. But you have to know why you're doing it, be authentic, let people know why you care. So even if they don't agree with you, they know that you're doing it for the right reasons. So how do people find out more about you and your platform? We can go to ericaherald.com, E-R-I-K-A-H-A-R-O-L-D.com, and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'd love to have people get involved if they're interested in learning more about the campaign. And especially for young people who are looking for an opportunity to see what a campaign is like, or to see if maybe they themselves might want to run for office someday, we welcome them reaching out. If, if there's one last thing that you wanted to tell people about you that they don't know, what would that one thing be? Well, I would wish I could say that I was a great athlete and that I benefited from being in a family of wonderful athletes, but I can't say that. And so what I will say is because I'm not a great athlete, I am an ardent fan and supporter of Fighting Illini athletic programs because those who can't should cheer loudly for those who can. <laughs> well, Erica, this is truly a pleasure, and I think I speak for Eric when I say this, it's truly a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you. It's an you honor. Do not be a stranger. We expect to have you back on for a longer conversation the next time. Well, thank you. It's, a, it's an honor to, to be on this with both of you because I know my dad speaks highly of you, Eric and Dion. You're a legend, so it's really an honor. Well, truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Erica. All right, we are at the Suburban Illini Holiday Party at Mullins in Lyle, joined by Robert Archibald. Thank you for joining us today, Pleasure man. to be here. Happy it's to awesome. join you guys. I appreciate it. sounded all formal. What's up, <laughs> big pal? I'm sitting here and being the shortest guy in the room right now. It's nothing like that. Hey, man, no, no, don't be talking about being short. I, next to Arch, I'm short. Yeah. <laughs> so. Nice. So how are things going? i got to ask the most important question because um, – you know, have you read your Wikipedia page lately? <laughs> the longest-owned, continuously-driven Lincoln Navigator it, is this still running? I got it. It was the, it was the longest-owned and continuously-driven. Um, it has since been retired. Unfortunately, it was a sad day. It was a sad day losing a family member. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a, we had a good run together. We got about 15 years. Um, so I was pretty proud of that. I'm surprised they last that long. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, when it was done, it was done. But uh, 
Yeah, it was a, it was a good ride. Good. So what's going on, big guy? Tell us what you're doing now. Uh, nothing. So yeah, things are uh, things are busy for me. I've got a, uh, a state farm agency that's in Elmhurst, Illinois. So uh, two and a half years doing that uh, with my own office. About five years with the company. It's been uh, it's been great so far. Got a really good uh, good team in a good team in place um, at the office. So we uh, you know we work hard, have a good time doing what we're doing, and uh, you know it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. There you go. You even hired a uh, former alumni. I did. I had, uh, Sam McLaurin was with me for uh, probably about a year and a half. Um, and he he, he uh, kind of blew me away. That kid had just uh, uh, incredible work ethic. He showed up whatever whatever uh, needed to be done. He was there to do it. He had a great way with people. Um, you know, so having him uh, as part of our team there was was an absolute luxury. I know he's uh, he's probably tuning in in China if it makes it through the <laughs> firewall. <laughs> um, but you know, we still stay in touch. Um, but obviously, he's he's a great kid and he's got great things in front of him. Good. So now we're gonna we got all that out of the way. Got to talk a little Illini basketball. Of course, our times did not overlap. Mm-hmm. But you know, tell a little bit about your experience and and you know, and my follow up is going to be I want to know what's your your proudest moment. But we'll start with your experience first. Yeah, so my my experience, obviously, I moved over from Scotland, uh, did a year year of high school in St. Louis. Um, You know, my recruitment really at that point was either going to be Illinois or Missouri. Um, Well, you chose the right school. I feel like I did. Um, You know, my feeling at the time was just across the board, you know, for lack of putting it a better way, Illinois was just a little better, had a little more to offer um, academically, athletically. Everything that came with it, I still remember obviously going to those games. Um, fortunately, the, the, the team that was in front of when I got there, the 97-98 team really had it rocking in there. And when you, you see the assembly hall, you know, um, turned up like that, it's, it's hard to walk away from there saying, I, I don't want to play here. Right. Um, so, you know, came in uh, as a slender <laughs> freshman. <laughs> I think it was... Uh, 610 206 when I checked on campus. Wow, you were like, like really skinny. Oh my God, you like a feather, I was fast. Baby. I was really fast. You don't really have to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did run away from the other big guys. So, um, you know, I had to put a lot of time in, a lot of work in the weight room. Um, had a pretty good feel for the game, but physically, um, looking back, maybe could have used a redshirt year. Um, but uh, you know, put my time in, and um, you know, we 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 had some holes in in our team that first year. But uh, you know, one thing we really learned to do was was just compete regardless of, of circumstance. Um, right. and, and you know, we got our we got our teeth punched in a few times that year. But uh, you know, we had a great late run in the Big Ten tournament, made all the way to the championship game as a, a three and thirteen conference team. Wow. Um, that was a lot of fun. A lot of guys ran out of underwear. A lot of guys were, <laughs> had the flies buzzing around them by the end of that weekend. But um, good running. It set us up for the next year where, you know, with some talented guys come in, Frank Williams, Brian Cook, mm-hmm. Marcus Griffin, um, who still to this day, I'll say he was the toughest guy I ever went against, college, pro, anywhere. Um, hey, man, you, you know. played against me, so I don't know if I like that. I'll that stand by my much. first statement. Of, <laughs> <laughs> he was just he was a he's just a complete post player, quick jumper, could turn over either shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, had just enough dog in him to where, you know, you'd, you'd get mad at him. Right. Uh, he would never take his foot off the gas. Um, and that was really what, what kind of molded me was, um, yeah, I just kept showing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you know, he, he really, really forced me to dig deep and, and work to get better. And, um, you know, th- that was a big part. of. It. I knew I wasn't signing up, signing up to come in and be the man. Right. But I knew I'd have good guys around me. I knew I'd get better from pl- competing with those guys every day. Um, you know, our sophomore year kind of became setting the table. We'd, we'd, we'd now had the talent, but we didn't know how to win. And, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a solid season, I think maybe 11 and 5 in conference, we, you know, second round of the tournament. Um, and we felt like we were kind of on the cusp, but, you know, we couldn't quite see the mountaintop. Um, at the end of that year, obviously, Coach Kruger went to Atlanta, uh, opened the door, and, and Bill Self came in. And he came in like a whirlwind. And yeah, he, he uh, you know, he, I, I think he smelled the opportunity there, for, you know, for our team. Um, and he just was not uh, going to accept anything less. So at that point, I think we were we were primed to go. Mm-hmm. He had been to the Elite Eight, um, so we were all ears for whatever he could say. He 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 did a great job of developing chemistry among the team. Everybody kind of had you know the the roles of, of what uh, what was expected of them, and they knew going in what they had to do. Um, and the team really bought in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously, fortunately, we were able, I think, you know, we went 13-3. and three. We took uh, took a share of the the Big Ten title that year. We had a, you know, a good good tournament run to the Elite Eight with a, a very tough, um, you know, still a little bitter loss to Arizona in the Elite Eight. And, you know, yeah. a team we had beaten earlier in the year um, and lost a close one in Maui as well with them. Um, and that year, I was, I was just talking with a buddy, we... We had beaten uh, three out of the four final te- final four teams that year. Oh wow! Uh, Maryland, uh, Michigan State, and uh, Arizona. And the fourth team it was Duke. We lost to them, you know, by two or three, with twenty five turnovers early in the year. So we knew if we could get there, we'd have a chance. So, you know, that one still stings a little um, when you're that close. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I wouldn't know. I never got that close. <laughs> so, um, but you know, the one thing we, you know, the, the bounces sometimes they don't go your way. But we right. we we laid it all out there. We had we had a strong identity uh, as a team of what we were about mm-hmm. um, and what we wanted to represent for ourselves and for the school. Um, and then obviously, you know, senior year we had some some experienced guys came back with some injury problems, everything else, but we're still able to you know squeak out a share of the Big Ten again. Right. Um, lost a very tough close game to a Kansas team in the Sweet 16 that had gone 16 and 0 in conference. Um, I still remember, uh, you know, Brian Cook had a, the wide open three at the end of the game that I think would have tied it or put us up one. Um, and we hung tough with those guys. Um, you know, and who knows where that one goes, but. Um, you know, as far as a career, like everything, everything I wanted when I signed up, you know, came to fruition short of, you know, national championship or final four or something like that. But, um, you know, the, the group we had, um, you know, it was just a bunch of guys that really laid it all out there and, and wanted to compete, didn't mind getting into the scuffles and, um, teams knew they were going to have to, you know, put us down to to to, to beat us. We were not right. going to hand anything over easily. So that, that just that sense of pride in what we did, um, you know, meant a lot to to our group. Um, you know, I'm very proud of what we were able to accomplish during during those four years. So I guess I guess that's kind of my uh, my four year summary of, of what how it went down. Arch, how did you guys take it when Coach Kruger left? Because obviously, it's recruited you. That's who you came yeah. here to play. Uh, we were we were. 
blindsided. Um, I think literally I walked out to, you know, uh, Lucas Johnson, my roommate, on his usual position on the couch. Um, <laughs> why does, why the, doesn't that surprise me? Yeah. <laughs> You know, the news is on, and all of a sudden it cuts to, you know, a, a press conference where he's being introduced. We had we had no end of it. Oh, wow. Um, and we were all kind of like, well, what does this mean? Because everything's just gone up in the air. And, and you know, um, you don't know who's coming in. You don't know what's going on. Um, you know, but uh, the way it worked out, you know, was, was pretty good for us. We had uh, um, the, the change, I guess I would say, was kind of what that group needed. Um, and it was something that ended up really bringing us together. Um, you know, solved a lot of you know, chemistry issues and questions over playing time. And guys had consistency, which for a player, you you, you know, thing. I'm like, if you, if you have clear expectations for yourself and for everyone else going in, it's a lot easier to, to, to play within that role and do your job, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, it caught us off guard. Um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, guys were talking about, well, well you know, so-and-so needs to get the job or I might transfer. And, you know, <laughs> people are like, well, all right, good luck. <laughs> so, um, but we didn't know what to expect. I remember, uh, you know, Ron Gunther pulled us in and he said, uh, you know, don't worry, guys, I got this. And we're all like, okay, well, let's show me something. Well, yeah, I um, think he made a pretty good choice. And he, he, he did uh, absolutely made a great choice. Um, and like I said, when, when, when Coach Self came in, um, you know, he certainly was not taking it easy on us, right. um, and he wanted to to weed guys on it. I remember even for myself, he didn't he didn't know what he was getting. Um, and I'd had previous conversations with Coach Kruger. You know, he, he'd tell me, "I think you can be a pro. You got a way to go, ways to go." Um, and I remember talking to Coach Self. I said, "I want to find out if I can make it or not." And he, go, he just looks me dead in the eye. He goes, "Well, we're going to find out." <laughs> and I, was like, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but well, that's a great answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it, like I said, it was just one of those fortuitous things that, that worked out for for the group. Well, um, and you did make pros. I was going to say, coach was right. Yeah, yeah, because you yeah. did. Well, and I love the. Yeah, I want to ask you about the Olympics. You were on the 2012 Olympic team, mm-hmm. and you won the country. It was Great Britain. Yep. And you won the first, you were on the team that won the first Olympic game for that country. Yeah. So uh, I think it was maybe the first game in 70 years we've won. So okay. obviously we qualified as a host nation. Um, but the, the experience, especially for me with the timing, I knew it was going to be my last, you know, competitive basketball. I don't think, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays with the guys at the gym right now is cutting it. <laughs> but, um, and I didn't know what, what it would be. I knew, you know, physically I couldn't do what I used to do. Um, I knew, you know, mentally I was burnt out, you know, this is an incredible opportunity. And, and I knew I wanted to be a part of it, but to be there to feel the energy to, to you know walking into a dining hall next to a Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt or there's some of these other people and you know you're talking about the absolute pinnacle of, of people in their own um, you know sports um, you know and obviously playing in the NBA was a, a huge accomplishment for me you know the, the only person ever born in Scotland that, 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 that did that so um, you know my path was not conventional um, but uh, the experience for me and, and to finish up you know obviously we beat China in our last game which was a big win for us we, we were very close to upsetting a couple of teams we played Spain really tough um, we played Brazil really tough we were up uh, 15 at the half against Australia basically would have pushed us through the quarterfinals we would have played the u.s team got slaughtered and still been heroes right um 
and we somehow lost that game by 20. And wow. Just a huge swing. And I, I was just – there are games that just leave you with your head ringing after you don't know quite what just happened. Um, and, and that was one of them. But we were able to come back the next game. We beat China. That was the last – uh, last game for me, we, we, we got up big enough to where uh, our coach took me out with about a minute left. So I, I got down, I kissed the floor, I walked off, and you know, it was a nice way for me to, to finish that chapter. Well, yeah, I mean, how many years was it that you played in Europe? Uh, so I played 10 total. It was two over here in the NBA, uh, eight in Europe, and then finished up at the Olympics. So I, I feel pretty good about getting, uh, getting the double digits. Hey, that, that, that's impressive, Rob. I mean, you and I bumped into each other in Spain, mm-hmm. and, you know, your team won. Mm-hmm. But I played pretty good. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I do remember, I will say, uh, it was the year I went to Italy. Um, I switched teams in midseason, and our first game is uh, – I'm still getting acclimated over there, and our, our first road game is in Tel Aviv against this team called Maccabi. And uh, I see Dion, I recognize the name. I'm like, hey, he's just being so nice. Nicest guy you've ever seen on a basketball court. Compliment me on everything. Well, his team goes Sucker. out, and I think they beat us by 53 or just some absurd number. They had a very loaded team. A lot of them, for people that aren't familiar with the European basketball, they had some just absolute studs. and. You know, the offensive flow that team had was uh, dangerous, uh, you know, even on a bad day. Um, but so that was kind of like a, uh, a warm welcome for Mr. <laughs> Thomas to, to, to the Euro League and all, all, all the stuff that came with it. Well, I mean, it, it, it was it's always good when you bump up into your 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 fellow alum and, and you're able to connect, you know, at least it was for me. You know, I knew who you was. I'd watched a few of your games when you were in college. Didn't get to see as many. You're so far behind me. Man, I feel like an old fart. <laughs> you know, it seemed like you were so far behind me, but it, it was really good to be able to connect. And, you know, my experience, well, we, we shared similar experiences mm-hmm. being over in Europe and you being from Scotland. How did you like that experience of playing, especially after leaving the NBA and yeah. going to Europe? Once I got settled there, uh, it's funny, you know, I grew up in Europe, but had been in America, and then going back there, it was all very different again, mm-hmm. and especially getting into, you know, Spain and Italy and some of those places versus Britain, which is, you know, its own, you know, unique way of life, and, um, you know, I, uh, once I got settled there, I really liked the, the just the, the pace of the play. You'd have two games a week. It was probably a little closer to college. You'd have time to prepare. You'd have time to, you know, the games mattered. Um, it wasn't this relentless march of game after game after game, very little practice. Um, you know, I found the guys to be, uh, you know, a little more down to earth. Obviously, the NBA is its, its own yes, universe. It um, and, uh, you know, it was a lot of camaraderie, a lot of team dinners, a lot of different stuff that, that maybe doesn't go on in the NBA as much. Um, and once I got settled and established and I was, you know, I was playing on EuroLeague teams or mm-hmm. teams that were playing at a high level that were, were – serious about trying to compete for silverware um you know I, I really you know really enjoyed the experience um you know the lifestyle in spain is not uh, not too bad so <laughs> no, I, I not. somehow managed to survive that <laughs> well uh anyone no we know your time is short and yeah. we appreciate it and uh boy it's it's really cool not a lot of guys get to go out of the game on their own terms so to be able to hear that story about you knew and it was kiss the court 
and, and leave and, and now go to rec league. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly working myself back into shape there. Oh, well, you, you on your own on that one. Like I told Eric, don't call me. Because you know, these knees ain't uh, not screaming to be running up and down the court no more. But they appreciate it, big fella. Thank you for coming on. And, and really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, no, glad to be here. Enjoy you guys' uh, podcast. Wish you all the very best with it. Thanks, Archie. All right, now we are back with Illini, former Illini. I guess we're always current Illini, former Illini basketball player, Brian Randall. Also, Peoria Notre Dame, that whole Peoria kind of pipeline. But I don't know, you guys both played in Israel. Like, you guys got to have some good stories to share back and forth. You guys ever discuss, you know, swap, the, you know, stories or, you know, share, share? Uh, unfortunately, have not had a lot of time to swap stories. I'm, I'm an old guy, man. I was retired by the time Brian came over. You know, I think I think our wives have swapped quite a few stories, and, yes. and, and my wife is a budding chef, at least in our home. So, so she's trying to get the lowdown on all the good dishes and the ones that we miss. Um, but I heard a lot about Dion even before I met. Dion, man, he's like a, he may not believe, but like a legend over there. If you mention his name, especially with Maccabi Tel Aviv or even Maccabi Haifa, everybody knows who, who Dion is. So it, it's cool to, you know, to have, have names and everything, but when you get to place it with a face and, and, and especially, you know, somebody of his caliber, it's, it's pretty special. I tell you this, I appreciate that, man. And I went out of my way, and, and you are also beloved over there. You know, Nikola Vucic, the GM, was a good friend of mine. We played together during that time at Maccabi. And when I would talk to him about you, he had nothing but praise and very good things to say about you. I think we, we had we had good parents. We'll, we'll, put, it, we'll, put, it, we'll put it back on that. We had good parents. We were raised well. That's right. But we'll work backwards. How was your experience there? I mean, you, you were scorer there, three-time defensive player of the year in that league. I mean, what, what would you have done differently, if anything, there? Um, I had nothing, to tell you the truth. If I could, if I could have prevented some injuries here and there, I, I probably would have done that. But um, you know, I talked to a lot of young guys that I played with, and, and and even younger guys on other teams as I got older. And and one of the biggest things for me was was to enjoy the journey of it, not get so caught up in in, in salaries and comparing who's going, you know, to this place or that place and where I am. Um, because along the way, we met so many great people. Um, you know, had extended families now even that, that we think about, you know, where when are we going back? Who are we going to stay with? You know, what, what Shabbat dinner are we going to? Um, and so the defensive player of the year and championships, anything like that is it's nice to reflect on, but but what God blessed us with and, and meeting people and, and, and experiencing um, new ways of thinking and living is, is I couldn't have asked for it to be any better than what it was. That's funny because you have a lot of the you talk about it the same way. It, it is, and I mean, I, you, I've played in multiple countries as Brian had, but playing in Israel was always something special. I mean, it was special because of the treatment of the people, how they come out and, and they they just embrace you. You know, you're, you're not from there. But just as we've had uh, my buddy Goldstein on, and we were talking about the book, the people of Israel really just come out, they grab you, they embrace you. And if you're a good person, as, as Brian is, and, 
and they, they will remember that. They will embrace that. They will take that. And like you said, I'm wondering who you're going to stay with when you go back. Because if you go back, they're always like, hey, you come here. You come here. Always. You know, and, you know, I have family there. So, of course, if we go stay somewhere else, I think they might kill me. Or maybe they'll kill my wife. But your, your, your teammates now are not just your teammates. They become your family members. Now, he may have a he's, – his, his journey is a little bit different from mine. You played for Jerusalem? And you played in Maccabi. And I played for a pool Tel Aviv. <laughs> and, so. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So, so, tell, <laughs> so, so no, no. people that you don't know, understand I, this. Uh, yeah. Playing in Hapoel Tel Aviv and playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv is like, it's worse than being a Yankee or a Met, being a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan, oh, yeah. being a Jet or a Giant. How did you navigate that? <laughs> well... I was lucky to have a stop in Haifa instead of going from Hapoel right to Maccabi. But, you know, I was fortunate to see it on two sides because these are two very passionate fan bases. Um, you know, they, they would rival uh, uh, a, a Red Star or, or Panathinaikos, Olympiacos, you know, big clubs in, in soccer and basketball. Um, as far as their dedication and loyalty to the team, so when I when I switched over, oddly enough, and I think this is you know this is similar to what Dion said is is whatever it was, I, I was embraced a little differently, and this is one of the one of the things like that I feel very fortunate about is I didn't have any enemies. There was no real animosity. Of course, there's fans out there that are going to scream at us when we switch yes. teams. Like, how could you do this? And, and and I said, man, listen, if I can work the same type of job and provide, you know, a, a living that's better than what it was. Like, if I said that to you, you know, fan A, what are you going to do? You going to stay? And usually people would kind of scratch their heads, but but uh, but no, I I was always received pretty favorably, it's and, a, and, and it's that's a job. You're not a yeah. fan. It's right. a job. And, and I, 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 I want to be loyal, you yeah. know, and, and we and we are to a degree, but but our time was a lot more short lived than than uh, a doctor, a lawyer, yeah. a teacher, exactly. uh, you know, yes. a construction or whatever, you know, what have you. Like so, we got to do what we got to do. But but I was fortunate to to not receive too much backlash. And then you always go back for the reunions because you once. Once you're in, you're always in. As long as you leave on good terms, right? Hopefully. No, no Hopefully. but you're right, though. If you leave the right way, I think people understand Be a, be a professional. You know, but I remember when I broke my leg a week before the EuroLeague, um, so the EuroLeague championship, actually, the week before, I had a Poyle Tel Aviv fans come to visit me in the hospital. That does not happen. Never. You know, and, and Brian, oh, no, that doesn't happen. That that Maccabi, Hapoel Tel Aviv, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Hapoel Tel Aviv divide is huge. But it just goes to show the, the respect that when you treat people the right way, they treat you the right way. So I didn't expect you. I didn't expect you to get a whole lot of flack, but you do have that fanatic that that fanatic fan every once in a while. That oh yeah, you can't escape that. No, you can't escape yeah. that. So Brian, you you're Illinois type now. So you were recruited there uh, by Bill Self, yeah, and then wound up after a couple of years. And we we've talked to a couple of players about this. Now you have a new coach coming in uh, in uh, Bruce Weber. What was that like? What was that transition like for you? In in, in the program and some of the guys who played with um you know it, it was hard then it's even hard to kind of speak about now because 
I look back at it now, it was a, it was a huge blessing. Um, more of the life lessons that I learned from, from Coach Weber. Um, but coming in under under Bill Self, who, who now we all know is, is a Hall of Fame coach and yes. just awesome, spectacular, you know, dynamic person. Coaching aside, um, that was difficult, you know, because my dream was was the NBA, which I think you know most athletes are as you get recruited. But and, and I'm going to speak for for Rich and, and Warren on this. We you know we decided we were going to stay because we committed to the university. We did commit to a coach, but we committed to the university and also the players that were there and being a part of something special. And, and so fortunate to you know nobody else left and, and everybody stayed committed. And I think Josh talked about this. It's a little different nowadays. Um, not good, not bad, just different. But, um, you know, that's, that was kind of our, our word. We, we wanted to be young men of our word, and, and, and we did that and experienced some, some great things, some memorable things. And, and events like tonight that we can get with, uh, you know, Illini that came before us and, and, and a fan base and boosters and professionals, and we all come in, in under the same heading of, you know, we're University of Illinois. We're proud of it. And so the coaching is the changes and all that, I guess, to get back to it is it was difficult, but at, but at the same time, you know, you, you look at it year by year going through it, and then you look at it from a lens of way after the fact. I couldn't be more grateful to the, to the coaching staff and, and Coach Weber especially, who I still talk to, and, and what they did for me. So... Decision, yes. Was it the right decision? Absolutely. What, when you were making your decision, obviously this is a time when all these Peoria guys were coming, and you know, Sergio and Frankie. And were you aware of that as a high schooler in Peoria? Were you aware of this pipeline? And, and oh, was yeah. it something that you were like, hmm, I think I might want to be a yeah, part of that? Yeah, I mean that's you know what what those guys did. Uh, you know Jerry Hester, Frank, Marcus. Sometimes we throw Brian Cook in there because he wasn't that far away. Um, Get Cookie a little bit. You know, it, the closest it, big city to Lincoln. But, I mean, it might be. You're okay. Right. You know, my, my father went to Manuel, uh, Pure Emanuel, and, and, and the McLeans and the Randalls were family. So that, that threw a whole different component into it is when, when you see uh, a major university, a major program, you've got family there, you know you're going to be taken care of. Even if... If everything goes wrong, that you've got somebody there to support you in a different way. So you mix that with with what's going on in Peoria and, and, and wanting to be a part of something special. And, and, and I think we all wear that as, as, a, as a badge of honor, similar to guys here in Chicago. Like if you're from Chicago, you you hold that in high esteem. Peoria, we do the same thing. So you know, for for any anybody else that came through with a letter.
but we appreciate I appreciate and I know Eric appreciate I think I speak for us both of you being here being on with us please you're more than welcome to come back anytime we, we enjoy talking to you man and we'd love to have you back on again I, I, I love it I, I'm available when you need me there you go appreciate it brother thank you guys very much thanks Brad Thank you to all our guests today. Thanks to Mullins and a huge thanks to Mike Engelhart who runs the Suburban Illini Club and is responsible for bringing us here today, Dion. Yes. Great organization doing fun events, networking opportunities, and raises money for scholarships. You can join by visiting www.westsuburbanillini.org. What a, what a cool event today. What do you think? What a cool event. Oh, no, it was great, man. I mean, I love these events. I think Michael does an excellent job of bringing together all the Illini family here in the western suburbs. I mean, couldn't get any better. I mean, with the guys we had on, was able to share a lot of stories, was able, you know, so, you know, you, you have to take your head off. A lot of fun being able to do this today. Always fun. All right. Lastly, Fadeaway Social Media. Please give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to us today. We'd love for you to rate us and review us on those sites because it does help others to find our podcast. Thanks for camping out in the post with us today on the Fadeaway from Dion and me. Meet you down low on the next Fadeaway. Swish.